0: Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with REMAX Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes,
2: she is here, your super real estate agent and licensed realtor from REMAX Results. Mimi Shoneman joins us again for the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Hello, Mimi. Hello. And you brought in our good friend from Sierra Pacific Mortgage, Shelley Ferris, is with us as well. Good morning, good morning. Hello, hello, hello. And you guys have been out there just working, working, working your little fingers to the bone, right, ladies? It's a busy market. Yes, it yes it is. Which is good. I mean, you were saying, Mimi, that this was the busiest that you can remember, right? Since you became a realtor and I know that this was the second incarnation for you. You had a previous you know, career. But you've been in this industry long enough to sit there and go, Wow, maybe we thought that this was gonna be a six month thing, maybe we thought it was gonna be a nine month thing, but it's just been busy, busy, busy for a it's, while.
1: Well, it's the it's the com- combination of people trying to outrun the rate increase. And trying to beat everybody to the rare property that you're absolutely barely able to find. right? right? Um, and so it's getting folks into houses and trying to be creative on how you get them in there and do everything that you can to make a smart offer. Mimi exactly. and Shelly, one of the things that I noticed as I was driving around
2: yesterday is I see more of this now, and I know that part of it might just be a marketing term, but I, from the, the, the anecdotes that you guys have shared, I see more things on the sold signs that say, sold in one week. Where there's like a caveat or something that's, you know, is that something that is a new trend in your industry, putting that kind of information up? Or you're
1: like, well, this is just reality. Let's prepare people. Listen, I'm just telling you, if your house didn't sell in a week, then, you know, something's going on. Right. And that is nothing special, in my opinion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Anymore? Golly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It took that long? (laughs) Why?
1: You know, fair enough. Let's just call a spade a spade. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, in in all seriousness, you either got the price wrong out the shoot, um, there's a condition issue, or you know something else is going on that we don't know about. right. Um, maybe there's an assessment that's enormous, and that's gonna turn people off. Maybe who knows? There's right. lots of things that can right. happen.
3: But there's lots of ways for us to fix those kinds of idiosyncrasies with the property too. So exactly. Raise your hand. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so Shelly, give us your NMLS oh, number you. before we get any more information. Thank today. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: My personal is three six seven eight two six and the company is one seven eight eight.
2: And I think that, that back to what you were selling saying, Shelly, there are ways to fix it. Is the other reason why we encourage people to be uh, uh to connect with a professional that has a broad swatch of information like you two do
1: well you know it you know if you've been around the block a few times you you know (laughs) hopefully you saw a few things you learned a few things right (laughs) Shelly
3: takes a village (laughs) I tell you
1: I can't even believe I've been doing this for 15 years Mm -hmm. 15 years and I did I blinked and it's like when I look back and I think of all the transactions that you've done and all the things that you've seen. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It's mind-blowing, really, you know, and this like you said, Miss Shannon, it's not my first career. So right. um it's my second career and or third, I don't know. Um but <laughs> it's, it's like wow. Just like, you know, I think about the first transaction that I wrote when it was the very it was probably one of the first people that I showed a house to, and I believe it was up in the Line of Lakes area. Okay. And this couple they walked in and it was I hadn't written an offer yet, not brand new out of out of licensing, and they are like, Yep, we want it and I'm like No, you don't. Can't you take a little bit more time? Let me let me get my ducks in a row here. So that's newbie language, where oh, I, where you know so basically now you're writing offers with your eyes you know, rolled up in the back of your head because you got to do it so fast. So you know it's like you didn't even know where to where to put stuff in on the blanks, yeah. right? Oh, Definitely I've, a baptism of fire. I'm been sure. There. yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Yes. Yes. yes, So experience, right, right. Um, so what are we talking about today, Miss,
3: Miss Shelley? Well, we're going to talk about um, well, kind of a, a sad topic, maybe for some. people people a lot of people divorce we're going to talk about divorce and how it can affect real estate and your transactions going forward in life where you're at today and all and everything in between
1: and so i think that when i've dealt with a lot of divorcing people right off the bat they're not sure it's like one party always seems to have an affinity for the house If they already are our homeowners. Right. And that has a lot of sentimental value. And especially when we were in the down market and one person wanted to keep the house and it wasn't worth what they paid for it. And then they couldn't they couldn't finance out of it. And so thankfully, we're not in those days anymore. Right. For the most part. And a lot of I think,
3: too, obviously has to do with children and school districts and neighborhoods that you're well you know, ingrained in and all. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of factors in there.
1: And so when you're dealing with your divorcing clients, I mean, what are you seeing for the most part? Are you seeing people that want to keep the house? Are you seeing both people want to... Get rid of the house, take whatever equity they can, and divvy that up. Or, or what are you seeing, Shelley? Well, I, I think it's all about
3: sitting down and really doing an assessment of where they're at, and you know, can you even afford this house? And if you can't afford this house, what's that life going to look like? Because you've you've been living in this house in a different through a different set of eyes and a different set of glasses, mm-hmm. and 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 a different set of finances. You've had two uh, incomes maybe in that household, or you've had one that had. Is sizable uh, uh, and maybe that's the person that's vacating the property so really it takes an assessment where are you at what what is the debt positions what are are the maintenance positions of this property what what is the equity if you freed it up would that be a better road to go it may not be your first choice but let's see what that looks like and, and so she-
1: when you sit down with folks Shelly do you have like a budget budget spreadsheet or things that you run them through so that you can start analyzing oh, these are the expenses. And this is what it would look like if you moved to a different property. I do.
3: Um, Oftentimes, their attorney has already uh, gone through some of those numbers with them and kind of, but they look at numbers differently, (laughs) perhaps, (laughs) than a finance person would. Right. um, I really try to, you know. I, I use the term a lot. You don't want to live your life eating ramen noodles. I mean, we all know what that means. Right. You just, just don't want to be house poor and and all for the sake of ha-ha, I got it. You yes. know what I mean? So there's a lot of emotion that's wrapped up into a house that's not just financial. And I'm able to look at it with just the financial eyes instead of putting in all the emotion. Is
2: that the part that, you know, Shelly Ferris, the licensed mortgage expert, turns into Shelly Ferris, the non-licensed, but needs to be counselor. Right. Yeah.
3: Okay. That happens more often than you think, really. Mm -hmm. It happens with clients. It happens with realtor friends of mine that come in and have a cup of coffee. (laughs) Right.
2: Sometimes they just need somebody
1: yes. that can have a level-headed discussion with them that takes the emotion right, out of it. Exactly right. And it's yeah. nice to talk to somebody who's seen other people go through it. Right. And you know, if it's your first time or only time going through something like that, you do look for experts in some place to get guidance. And right. where do you go? Right. Um, besides I, your attorney.
3: I lived through it. Not not my <laughs> own personal divorce, but my mom and dad divorced, and so I can really look at again the the whole spectrum of it from a lot of different viewpoints that that maybe they're not looking
1: at right and so if somebody wants to um wants to get another house and they're going through a divorce or they're separated what sorts of income qualifying things do you look for
3: so we look at the typical whether you're buying together or buying separately how much is your gross monthly income how much are your debts how can we work that into a house payment and see if that you know comes out in you buying a home. But the the, the thing that's kind of hmm, different, I'll say, about working at Sierra Pacific Mortgage, I've never worked for a company that is so in tuned in what can we do to help this client. Let's not superimpose rules. Let's just use those guidelines to help them through what they're doing. You know, most of the companies I've worked at in my past look at things in through a lens of, uh, uh, you know, I mean, this sounds terrible, but what can we do to not get do the mortgage? You know, right. what like we're so afraid it's not going to be bought in the second market. What are they going to be looking at? What can we find? And I find that Sierra Pacific is much more open to, you know, there's no fraud going on here. This is people that are living lives. This is what we do with our next step. This is let's help guide them through. So even if you're not divorced yet, that's when I really recommend you don't file. Come in and talk to me. Come in and talk to Mimi. Let's chat about what that next chapter is going to look like. And let's make sure that you don't make any mistakes before you begin.
1: Right. And then, of course, you know, it's it's always recommended to have a professional. If you think that you can do your divorce on your own with forms that you find online, you know, you're going to be paying for that somewhere. Right. down the road and that is for sure well that's just it this is serious serious business yeah. and stuff that
3: affects these are league legal documents that you're talking about not i meant to say this this is legal stuff
1: yeah and if you do it wrong trust me it's going to cost you probably way more than what it would have cost you to have the attorney in the first right. place so it's always recommended that you get a licensed uh, family law attorney to help you through these things mm-hmm. and make sure, especially if you have children, that the children's interests are being looked at exactly. in the best possible way.
2: Right. I mean, because we've been, as you know, as someone who's gone through divorce personally, it is one of those, There, even if you know that you should get divorced, it still is so difficult to navigate it without having a guide that can, as you said, Shelley, take some of that emotion out of it sometimes and help you go... No, here's what the law says. Here is what the right thing. Here's because there's so many things that we learn basically from TV that is not really the way it works in reality. You know, it's not always this person gets the house. It's not always this person gets custody. It's not always you should stay. They should go. There's so many other nuances to it that you need to go and work with somebody that goes, well, here's how it works in Minnesota. That's that's exactly right. Yes, Mm -hmm. we
3: have very different laws. Than a lot of other states do and a lot of things to take into consideration regarding credit and debts and the whole nine yards.
1: And so one of the things that I think throughout the years that most people have um, questions about is I'm just going to go down to the courthouse and quick claim my other person off of this. Ah, And so when we get back from the break, let's talk a little bit more about the truths and the untruths about that. Let's All do right. that, yes. And we'll also take your
2: questions. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show by calling 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071, also available at MyTalk1071.com. Just use the keywords red hot. With us today, of course, super real estate agent Mimi Shoneman and then from Sierra Pacific Mortgage, Miss Shelly Ferris.
1: So Shelly, we were talking... I think it's a myth that people think that, okay, so we're just going to, the we're in agreement, we don't argue, it's peaceful, and I'm just going to go to the courthouse and I'm going to quit claim my spouse off of the title and then we're good to go. But that is not really the smart way to do this.
3: No, it it really isn't, and not for either party. No, really. it yeah. isn't. Yeah, because the the debt is still there, and <laughs> so you're still involved in the indebtedness, and now you don't own anything in the property. That's that's not yeah. that
2: attractive. Wait, to the let's other back character. up. So you're saying that so but basically the other person is on the is is off
1: the title, right? But I'm still, still responsible the hook for, gotcha. for the mortgage. Okay, they're two different animals, right? Huh? Eek! And, and so now, <laughs> now Miss Shannon, you and I own a house together. Right. Let's just say. And I'm going to quit claim you off of there because that's what you wanted. Yes. Right? I don't want
2: anything to do with it anymore. So I think I'm free and clear.
1: Yeah. So now you just gave me the house and yes. you still have to pay for it yay <laughs> goody for me wow okay <laughs> that sounds like a really no, good way right. to do it yeah, yeah. No. No. <laughs> and then you know the other thing that's that's happening at the, if that happens is that well, you're trusting me to make the payment on the house and this is also going to affect your credit Ms. Shannon mm-hmm. so I decide I'm and fire at you and I'm going to fix you so you just, just let the house stop, go I'm going to stop fixing the house and I'm going to stop paying for the house I'm just going to live here until bankerman forecloses on me Mm-hmm which could be who knows how long. Right. And so all the while you're moving on with your life and you find out when you decide you want to buy a house that your credit is ruined. Ruined. And I think even sometimes if
2: you guys are getting along, a part of what happens often in relationships is that that's one of the primary things that you don't, have the same methodology about is that that's one of the biggest things you argue about is we don't think the same about money. We don't think the same about credit. So you might just be, you know, your former partner might just be one of those people where it doesn't really bother them that their credit rating is bad when you're the one that's like, Oh no, I paid, I worked to get my credit in this, this in the state that it's in. And often your partner knows that about Mm -hmm. you. Right. (laughs) And so they're going, eh no big deal. You know, I'm going to pay for cash for everything for the rest of my life and you're going, "Oh no, no, I'm trying to rebuild." Yes.
1: Fair enough. All yeah, right. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. We want to handle it by refinancing them off. And so let's talk about that, Shelley. Mm-hmm. So they've decided that okay, one one is going to get the house and the other wanting to come off. Mm -hmm. So what we do as realtors, we run the numbers and give you a comparative market analysis so you can get an idea of what an appraisal will look like and that you've got enough equity. So then when it passes, when I say, okay, this is what I think the house will sell for Shelly and Mr. and Mrs. Divorcing Client, you do what with that information? So then I take that
3: information and I see how much equity they would have if they would sell and split or whatnot. Okay, now you two can buy on this way. Okay, Versus, okay, if you're going to stay in this borrower A, we'll call them, and uh, there's this much equity, maybe we can refinance some debt. Maybe there's some different things that we can do with a second mortgage or refinancing that other person off of the existing loan. There's lots of different avenues that we can go down as long as your credit is good and we have some equity to work with there
1: and so let's talk about some of the things that you see as a loan officer on the divorce decree once they actually are officially divorced that specifies how finances are going to be played out.
3: I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so key. I bet you I see 50% of the divorce decrees that come in that are just so poorly written that an underwriter can't truly tell what debt is which person's. So, for example, if you have a a, a divorce decree written and... um, uh, divorce person A is going to take the visa card and the other person's going to take the car loan and that's how they write it up. Susie gets the visa debt and Joey gets the car loan. That is really lousy. You need okay. to be able to attach that to a company Uh, even a partial uh, loan number uh, or a balance that it was at the time of the divorce so that the underwriter can attach that debt because what happens is over the course of time maybe that visa gets bought out by another visa company or maybe that car loan gets paid off and replaced with another one or gets bought out by another bank and you have to be able to connect those dots and if you just simply say the car loan that's just not going to be specific So you need a
2: specific snapshot of the dollar amount right. somehow. So it needs to say that we, you know, they get the debt of $2,500. So right. it needs to have to be,
3: okay. And the bank. Okay, so and for the bank. example, like if you just say Susie gets the Capital One credit card and there's four Capital One credit cards on the credit report, ew. Okay. <laughs> That's not going right. to
1: work out for and us. So, so, you know, for on the real estate side, we run what's called an owner owner's and encumbrance report. And we pull that through our title company. And so that's going to show us who's actually showing up on title. And so a lot of times folks might be surprised to find that when we run that report, that both not only you, Miss Shannon, are on the report, but your ex is on there still, too. Okay. How is that possible? I've been divorced for a few years. Right. And it is possible because... People are human that errors could be made and they didn't file the update errors could be made and not filed appropriately. So then you've got to take it. Thankfully, at Remax results, we have a legal department that works to serve us, the realtors. And so we can take that to our legal counsel and try and get advice for what we need to do to handle that in the most appropriate way. And so sometimes that requires going back to the original attorney who drafted the document and say, we need this to be corrected. And then sometimes it's just as simple as, as doing some paperwork in, in house. In title, right. Yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. We, and, and we see that. Probably 25% of the time I will say that a divorce decree will come in or a person will try to sell and they'll say exactly what you said. I was divorced 15 years ago. I don't even know where that divorce decree is anymore or whatever,
1: right? And the divorce decree rules. And so we can't do something that's going to go against the divorce decree. We have to follow the guidelines of what's been Laid out in the courts, right, Shelly? Exactly. And
3: that people again are surprised at that. Well, you know, Joey and I decided that he'd get the boat and then I, we didn't need to split the equity once I went to sell the house. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, you didn't go and see an attorney to get that you know, amended to your divorce decree to state that. Yeah.
1: So for our listeners out there, whether you or someone you know who's thinking of going through a divorce or they're struggling in their relationship, we encourage you to reach out to us, Shelly and I, and let us take a look at your particular situation. And of course, as always, we appreciate our listeners' referrals. If you know someone, it's not you and you're listening, we would love to talk with those people and see if there's a way that we can handle. And if they don't have a good family law attorney, we can refer them to someone who's excellent. Absolutely. Right.
3: No obligation expressed or implied.
2: We'd right, be yes. glad to help you. Okay. And we, we have a lot of people that you can do like even like that initial consultation so you can make sure that that's somebody that jibes with you. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the children. Okay. Let's
2: discuss the children. Yes.
3: yes.
1: And so when children, there's like a four-year, three-year rule. Mm-hmm. Um, people think that, well, I've got two, two, three children mm-hmm. and I can just take the spousal maintenance for the end of time. Mm-hmm. And, but they can't, they have only a window of time that they can take that. Right, right. Yes, exactly. Right. And, and so
3: if you're getting your, uh, ch- uh, child support or separate maintenance, you need to, by the time we close, you need to, we need to be able to prove that you've got three years continuance on that income, to be able to use it as qualifying income. Now, if you have less than that time frame, we don't have to use it as qualifying income. So as long as you make, you know, enough money to qualify for your mortgage without the child support or separate maintenance, that's fine. But if you're trying to use it, that's the rule. Okay. So if
1: a child, just to be clear, if a child is 15 years old and you think you've got all that time, You really only have a small window of time to use that continuance, correct? Right,
3: because we have to prove that you're going to get it for three more years. So not from time of application, but from time of closing on the property. So... Tick-tock. Yeah, (laughs) so if you've got
1: a 17-year-old, you've got a year or less of child maintenance that you can count. Mm -hmm. And so it behooves you to take advantage of these things when your children are younger. Right,
3: exactly. So let's meet, let's talk. If you haven't bought because you're holding back on something else, maybe your credit isn't where it needs to be or something, please raise your hand. We're here to help.
1: Okay, so let's talk about establishing credit. And how important that is, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, if you maybe stayed at home, you didn't work full time, maybe you were a part time worker and a part time child care provider. Um, how does that look for folks
3: boy that that's another great point Mimi because I, I see that oftentimes where one spouse is the <clears throat> part of me breadwinner the other one is the uh, stay-at-home person they take care of the children they take care of the household and in all of that they don't quote-unquote need any credit right they're just going to lean on the other person right and that really puts you at a disadvantage when if something like this happens to you, a divorce is in your future, you really want to start establishing that credit as soon as you possibly can, because as we know, it what makes the world go around anymore. So don't leave yourself stuck. You need to get a credit card going. Maybe it's a Maybe it's a um, secured credit card where you mail them $300 and they open up a trade line or credit line for you of $200 and you use a a small portion of that and pay it off every month for a few months. You're going to establish score.
2: And what are the kinds of cards, because you had mentioned this before, Shelley, there are certain cards that don't help you. Right. they're not reported. Right. So
3: those are if you get added to somebody's credit card as an authorized user versus a joint user. Okay. Then that's not going to report and that's not going to help you. Okay. But let's say you have a sister that has excellent credit but and is willing to add you to her credit card as a joint user. Then all of her profile will automatically dump into yours and you'll score out. And that's the fastest way okay. to be able to establish score if you don't have any credit.
1: So when we come back from the break, we're going to continue talking about all of the things that we know that we can do to help and encourage folks that are going through
2: divorce. And you can also be part of the show. The number six, five, one, six, four, one, one, oh, seven, one. We'll be right back with the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show on MyTalk 107.1, also available at MyTalk107.com. Keyword, Red Hot. Mimi Shoneman is here from Remax Results, also from Sierra Pacific Mortgage. Shelley Ferris is in studio again, and we've been talking about navigating the road to home ownership as you are going through or completing your divorce.
1: Well, so, Miss Shannon, I mean, I know you're an open book, but everybody loves you for that and you have gone through a divorce. Yes. And you were a homeowner when you did that. And I was one of the people
2: that I decided to let him have the house. Uh be for for number, numerous reasons. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to I don't want to live in this neighborhood by myself. The house still needed a lot of work that, you know, my ex happens to be a plumber and a contractor. He'll be able to do this work efficiently. It didn't make financial or emotional sense. For me to keep the house you know also back to what Shelley was saying earlier about do I want to be house poor? like yes I could get this done I was the primary breadwinner but still that was more pressure than I wanted and so for me at the time after talking to my uh, attorney and stuff it just seemed like the cleanest break for me was to go ahead and. Find a different place and look at it from that financial perspective for growing down the road. Mm-hmm. So it is a difficult decision to sit there and go, I'm going to be the one that's going to move out of here instead of making it the, well, they should move just because I'm mad. That's not the smartest decision.
1: Right. Well, Shelly, let's talk a little bit more and, and really kind of deeper dive into the whole spousal maintenance mm-hmm. and child support piece. hmm. Good. Okay. So, uh, you know, as we discussed that you need to be able to
3: prove that you're going to receive the spousal maintenance a minimum of three months after, after you're going to close on your property. So hopefully it's five months, let's say when we start the process, because otherwise it's, it's going to evaporate quite quickly. And, and, and literally if you're, if you're, you know, one month off, you don't use the income anymore to qualify. Okay. So, I mean, there's no like gray area there. The rules are the rules for, because they don't want to approve you for a loan more than what you can afford. Right. So they figure you leave there at least three years, yada, yada, yada. So that's kind of how the guideline became um, what it did. But, you know, as people are paying you Child Support or Separate Maintenance, uh, you need to be able to show that you've um, received it for three months And it's important to maybe even do that prior to the divorce, if you're able, if, if, you know, if it's amicable and you can show that you're paying it, whether it's direct or through a court situation, uh, that's how we're going to track it. So the, the easiest way to do it is through a court, through the County, it shows consistency. They track every dime the whole month added up. Maybe it's $33 this month, 150 this month. We, I mean, this week, uh, you know, 153 this week. I mean, they're down to the days or whatever, and then we add it all up, and that's the child support for the month that we can use. So, Shelley,
2: I'm not in that scenario. So, basically, is it kind of a a a pay statement similar to what you would get from an employee? So you can have a version of that for uh child support or spousal maintenance, right? And it shows okay. right
3: from the county. We get a printout from the county that shows us your uh guardian or child care or your um court worker um, um, prints that out for us. And that's what we use if it's paid direct and fewer and fewer are today, but there still are some out there where the child support is paid directly. Um, We encourage you to do that specifically to what it's for. So for example, if you get $500 a month, Make the check for $500 a month. Don't add the 50 bucks for the tennis shoes they owe you for and the 73 for their share of the health and health insurance last month or whatever. It just shows inconsistencies and it's more difficult for an underwriter to prove.
2: Oh, so it's just more it's information that isn't. Valid. So you right. just are muddying the water exactly by providing right.
3: okay. Exactly right. Now I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn here and talk about I we I just closed a transaction. Um and I and I've shared with you folks that uh Sierra Pacific looks at things a little bit differently, a little than other companies that I've worked for. Uh closed a uh, gal who um actually was a listener and um she was receiving some support and um it was not court ordered. It was consistent, but it was not court ordered okay. because they were never married. Ah, and so okay. because I was able to show that this income was consistent every month, they had volunteered to, to do this support for the family. I could use that money as income to help her qualify for a property. And I've never been able to do that any other company. It, and it's because of the broad scope that Zero Pacific looks at guidelines. We are here to help you.
1: So let's talk about if you happen to be the spouse that is ordered to pay the maintenance. And so now you, you've got that coming out of your income every single month. What does that look like for that person qualifying for another mortgage? And let's just say that they still own the house together with the, the soon-to-be ex-spouse, but yet they want to go ahead and move forward with their life. They want to go ahead and get a place. But how does that play out for them?
3: Okay, so the divorce decree should state who's responsible for making the mortgage payment. And we can go by that. We can just negate the debt from your credit report for the house if your ex-spouse is the one that is... Uh, decreed to make that debt payment so we don't have to consider that one um, as far as the uh, child support or separate maintenance that's a debt for us to consider for you and it doesn't matter if it's you know three months or twelve months or four years it's it's debt it's the debt that we have to consider period no backs okay So there's no getting rid of it
1: <laughs> so how does one go about starting the process to qualify so let's just say that they're that they've received a divorce decree and they're just in the process of getting everything finalized. So what do they need to do with you, Shelley, if they want to move forward and find another house? Well, first, I'd I'd love to
3: review the decree with them, especially if it's prior to finalization. I'd love to review the decree to make sure that it's something that an underwriter or a lender is going to be able to use in the way that you want us to be able to use it. You want us to glean this income. You want us to see that this debt really shouldn't be considered. You know, all of that. And then we also
2: want to review that verbiage to make sure that it's something that an underwriter
3: can determine.
2: Shelly and Mimi, I always think it's so interesting. And one of the reasons I enjoy doing the show is that there's so many things that I've learned I need to show your uh, mortgage professional before you file, <laughs> mm-hmm. like when you're really taxes. planning ahead, like for real. Like she was like, "Before you file your taxes, let me look." At yes. yes, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. And now to find out again, you know. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get married again. But now to yeah. know if it, if, right. if I get married again and it doesn't work out, not only do I need a prenuptial agreement, but before I sign anything, I need to go, Shelly, look at this. Okay, right. will I be able to buy a house again? So, so we've I, basically
1: made you paranoid, right?
2: <laughs> okay. I was already paranoid, right. and, and I don't even look at it as paranoid. I look at it as. Prepared, right. and I think that so much of what we learn between this and what we, you know, our 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 experts on the Mom Show is that we're not trying to, you know, we don't, we're not. It sounds like we're buzzkills on love. We're not buzzkills on love. We're just trying to make sure that you are prepared as a human being, and especially as a person that is going through these things. That's why you have a Shelly Ferris of the mm-hmm. world that can look at there and go, "We're not poo pooing mm-hmm. love. Yes. We're just saying that this is how this is the ramification down the road, yeah. and yeah. it it starts a conversation." That takes all of the gray area out of things. Right. Yeah. So it actually helps you be not paranoid because you know you've already thought through these things. Mm -hmm. And that is being extraordinarily
1: practical. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't see that. It's adulting
2: on the highest level. Yes, ma'am. Like, if you can adult on this level, good on you.
1: Yeah, right? For real. Okay. So, Shelly, let's just talk about the things that show up on credit or on title and on, on the credit pool, that might shock the other spouse. Um, for instance, in Minnesota, it really just takes one person to buy, but it takes both of okay. you to sell, thankfully. So I just recently heard a scenario of a, of a spouse buying a couple houses without Good telling grief. their other oh. significant other. And okay. what a surprise that was Indeed. when they went to split up. Wow. Gosh, you mean I own that I own a awful. condo in Boca Raton? Oh, sweet. Yeah, didn't know that. <laughs> Guess where I'm going? I hope it's there. Yeah,
3: exactly. So, wow, yeah.
1: So there's all kinds of things that can pop up and when we run that owners and an encumbrance report, <laughs> we're gonna we're probably gonna notice that for you. So that's that's something that we can offer to do for our listeners. Yes. Please call us if that's Please. something that would be helpful. That is amazing. Really, yes. really,
3: because you are in ownership with that property with your ex-spouse <laughs> whether that, whether they d- thought that, would that was going to happen off, right, right? <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> my, my gosh i love it the <laughs> fact I, that you
2: said whole houses we've heard of that there were a couple credit cards or something yeah. else that was out there that showed up on your credit <laughs> statement yeah. but to have house Can you multiple imagine? properties right yeah. right yeah uh, and no I mean, wonder it, you're getting divorced if you don't that know off. that about somebody <laughs> right I,
3: I, I, I did once sit down with a couple this was a well, this is a number of years ago, and 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 a whole bunch of car loans came up under his credit wow. report, and her eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> the more we talked about it. I never heard from them again.
1: <laughs> wow. I, I don't have near enough shoes for yeah. that to be happening. It's like, is that a dealership that you've been starting <laughs> yeah, right. without me? Why do you have so me? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, in all seriousness. Right. Um, let's talk about a second mortgages can okay. cause problems. So if if the house was purchased and you got you have a second loan or a home equity line of credit, so how do you handle that, Shelley? Okay,
3: so that can be problematic when. The person want one of the people want to stay in the property. Okay. So one of you wants to stay in the property and the divorce decree says that you have to refinance the other person off of the mortgage. Well, if you've got two mortgages, what you're going to end up doing is a refinance to tie those two together. And if they weren't opened at the same time, i.e., the second mortgage was opened a few years later when you were going to buy a car or add an addition or whatever you needed the money for at the time, then that's called a account- cash cash out refinance. And those have their own sets of rules. loan to value rules, interest rate differentials. You have to make sure that you've got enough equity to encompass that second mortgage. And then where is that going to put you? Are you going to be at 90% loan to value 95 now when you add those two compared to your current value? Now you're going to have mortgage insurance. There's a lot of things to consider when you've got a second mortgage out there. Definitely.
1: So, have you seen scenarios where okay I know I have where people believe that the home equity line of credit can stay with them after they sell their house they're like yes I've got $50,000 and this would be a personal loan now is what they're thinking when I when I sell my house I'm going to take my 50,000 and I'm going to fix the kitchen up in the new place like i always wanted to right because they think of the debt as the thing they bought it
3: for like that's my atv loan no it's tied to your house (laughs) okay that is a due
1: on sale clause and you must you must pay that back okay if it's zero balance even or if it's fully all the way used you gotta Ah, go okay yeah so in that scenario, when we come back from the break, let's talk about whether or not somebody could actually tap into that HELOC, yes, and use that money to buy the house and then pay off that debt to you know once you sell it.
3: Good.
2: Let's talk about that next. And you can call in and be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071, also available at mytalk1071.com. In studio today, of course, our super real estate agent from Remax Results, Mimi Shoneman is here, and then from Sierra Pacific Mortgage, Shelley Ferris has been joining us. So we've been talking about navigating the road back to home ownership and what you should do as you are going through that process of divorce.
1: So Shelly, um, we talked before we uh, came into the break about taking your home equity line of credit while you still own a home and options that you could use that for for a possible down payment. Mm hmm.
3: Right, so you can use, and and this is whether you're going through a divorce or not. I mean, you can do that. You can free up your equity into or put it into a home equity line of credit, not draw on it until you need it to buy your next home, and then uh, now you've got your down payment. And then when that other when the house that you're currently uh, on with your uh, soon to be ex spouse sells, then that debt will be paid off. So therefore, you've gleaned the equity from it before you actually closed.
1: So. What are some of the other ways that people can get uh, into a home when they are going through a divorce and they al- also have another property involved? Right. Okay. So
3: a couple of other options would be that if you're, especially if you're going through a divorce and maybe you, maybe there isn't any equity, may, or maybe there's very very little equity that's coming out of the house somehow. Um, you can still buy a house. You can buy a house with uh, down payment assistance. There's lots of down payment assistance programs up there. They're called step up loans. So even though you've been in a home. So don't equate that with first time home buyer. Cause you wouldn't be cause you currently owned a home. You had tax returns that showed mortgage interest deduction, things of that nature. That's what, um, um, discloses you as non-first-time homebuyer. But as a step-up loan, you can get that assistance to uh, get into the property with uh, the down payment. And a couple of other options that I've seen people use is you could do a rent-to-own option. You could use a contract for deed. There are different banks that hold portfolio loans. So there's different types of financings that that are, um, I'll say that they're out-of-the-box type transactions that when you don't fit the mold, there still are options for you and then they're not forever. So you can take those options on and then refinance out of them once your life becomes a little more normal in a year or two uh, when when, uh, you're kind of back on your feet again after divorce.
1: So talk a little bit more about what portfolio loans actually are and who does them.
3: So banks generally do portfolio loans. Those are banks that you maybe as a family you have a relationship with or maybe your folks have a relationship with a bank and we used to call them back in the day, vault loans. So it's like the banker walks into the vault, gets the bag of money and hands it to you to buy a house. <laughs> that's right. not really. Sounds but so quaint. I right, like it. it. I know. yes, like, little cartoon.
1: You right. can kind of imagine that. No, very Monopoly. Yeah. I like that. Daughter <laughs> yeah. daughter of a former banker I oh. used to play in the vault. <laughs> oh, and that oh, is nice. for real.
2: That does not sound safe <laughs> these that, days. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> probably
1: wouldn't have been allowed <laughs> today, but <laughs> right. yes. Hopscotch in the vault. Yeah. That wow. That's yeah. awesome. That's Kentucky for you. That's where you go okay the rest of us go to playgrounds in kentucky they're like vault yeah the kids in the vault yep yep rainy um so i want to talk about a program that i really do like and i think it's an excellent option for folks that might not have a lot of cash but yet they want to get their own place while you're going through a process like this and it's the rural development program it's Not used enough, in my opinion. Yes, it's going to be rural, as the name implies, but rural is relative. So you can go just across the bridge to Hudson, Wisconsin, which is Literally 25 minutes from where we stand in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. And that qualifies for rural development. Mm -hmm. You can also get it in just about all of Wisconsin, I believe, right? Yeah, just
3: about all of Wisconsin. And I can tell
1: you, Somerset, I'm just going to say, is booming. If you want to get in on the ground floor of a community, this place is on fire. That is the truth. And I can't I've, believe the prices. Yes, yeah. it's on fire, and that new bridge going from Stillwater to across the, the way, that's what's brought it all happening. They can't build fast enough, and you can get rural development loans out there. So yeah, you say to yourself, well... Uh, I don't like the country. Bugs really bother me. (laughs) You know, they're bigger out there. There'll be a marsh. There's a tractor. (laughs) I don't know. Fields. But you don't have to live there for the rest of your life. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So get someplace. Take advantage of free money. Right. Take advantage of some free money. And plan, yeah. And so you can
3: get in with zero down payment, low, low fixed rate interest. The mortgage insurance is ridiculously low on this loan for a zero down payment loan.
1: And the seller can pay your closing costs. I mean, where's the downside? There's no downside. And it's out there available for anybody who's interested. And it's not just Wisconsin. You can go in all directions and have rural rural development. But it is map-based, right, Shelley? That's right, exactly. And I can send you a link, so you can call
3: me or text me or email me, uh, 612-839-6918, and I'll gladly email you the link to Rural Development that will show you the borders.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the other down payment options, which are the basic ones that we always talk about, FHA and conventional financing. Right.
3: So 3% down payment minimum on conventional and 3.5% down payment minimum on FHA. And both of those can be gifted. So again, let's say that you're getting out of your house due to divorce and there's no equity left or there's teeny tiny money and you're each going to opt to pay off a credit card instead because that makes more sense to you monetarily monthly. You can still get in with gifted money, mom, dad, relative of some sort that will gift you the down payment. Uh, money for uh, the purchase, either conventional or FHA.
1: Awesome. So when you have, let's talk about some of the examples of when you've worked with folks that have been going through divorces and some of the scenarios that you've seen. So uh, let's see here. So I I shared with
3: you one here just uh, before the break about a a listener that uh, it wasn't a real divorce, a true divorce, but it was like that. They split (laughs) up. They had a few children. He felt monetarily obligated to help with the household, which is awesome, and voluntarily uh, uh, paid support. And he's consistent with it. And that's awesome because for her and for me, because (laughs) it's all about me. right? But but, uh, that she can rely on that. That money and she knows I can use that money to and I can gross up that income. So for example, you get 500. I don't have to only use $500. I get to use $625 because I can gross that money up. Just like as though you were getting it as a, as an income source uh, from a job or something to that effect. I can use the gross monthly income. Well, we gross it up to match that. Okay. So that, that's a little bit more money than you might think that you actually have then Coming to you for qualifying. And then the other, um, some of the other things that I've seen people do, I've seen some situations where ex spouses, uh, and they, Get remarried. I know it's crazy, but it right. happens mm-hmm. sometimes. Before,
2: <laughs> Before the divorce, was, yeah. No, <laughs> after, but, <laughs> yeah, what state yeah, are we, we in? Like <laughs> immediately after the divorce, though. I've seen that happen. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And those those
3: situations are unique indeed, but certainly allowable. Um, we get a little bit of extra documentation and such in those situations, but they work. That it, right. it's not that you can't. And and some of the companies that I've worked with in the past, there those would been um, very suspect okay. transactions.
1: So what are some of the problems that you see that folks are facing? Um, when they start this whole process that they have to work through. Right. Mostly it's the debt. Mostly they're not being specific enough with the debt
3: um, and they're not being uh, realistic to what they can afford. I I have many folks come to me and say, okay, this is how much I make every year, $48,000. So that's $4,000 a month. So I can afford a $2,000 a month mortgage, a $500 car and then groceries and gas and see it all works. Well, no, it doesn't because Mm -hmm. you don't, make $4,000 a month. You make it, but the first person in line is the federal government. So they're going to take their whatever, quarter, third, whatever it is that they get. And then I get to use, I still get to qualify you off of that gross monthly income, but I only get to use 50% of it. So I'm going to use 2000 to start with, and that's got to encompass your debts and your house payments. So you can't qualify for a $2,000 a month House payment. You can only qualify for what would fit in there with along with your debts.
1: Right. And so when you're writing an offer, um, when you're going through it, it's probably a prudent idea to insert a divorce contingency when you're writing your offer. Basically, it's a separate addendum. It explains that you're in the process of the divorce and you intend to purchase the home but can't close until the decree is final and or the down payment funds are available from your marital property settlement. And that strategy typically does not work with bank-owned properties if you happen to offer on that. And it also needs to be a seller that understands and is comfortable with that contract. Now, keep in mind, you also are disclosing your motivation when you do something like that. So That's a good point. as always, it's it's a good idea to work with a team, people that have done divorce transactions and also to incorporate your family law attorney into the process because everybody is working for your best interest. And if we're working with both spouses, we have to keep everything neutral. And so if you have any questions about divorce, reach out to us, 651-578-2218. We have divorce guides as well, and you can request those at Mimi at MNRedHotRealEstate.com. And Shelly, they can find you again. I know your number is
2: 612-839-6918. And your website again is? Uh, www.shellyferris.com. All right. We'll see you guys next time on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You can also find us at mytalk1071.com. Keyword, Red Hot.
0: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.
1: Paying bills on time? Not maxing out credit cards? Yes, give yourself credit. You can get
2: closer to big goals like home ownership by taking small steps to build up your credit. Level up
1: your credit knowledge at FannieMay.com slash credit education.